0: Welcome to Jessspiracy, the podcast that explores the human side of crime. I'm your host, Jessica, and in each episode, we'll deep dive into a true crime case and examine its impact on individuals and communities. At Jesperacy, we believe in telling these stories with empathy and respect, shining a light on the often overlooked human aspect of crime. So, Grab a cup of coffee and get ready to join us on a journey through some of the most intriguing and thought-provoking cases in history. This story is about a single mother, Nicole Fitz who was found buried in a shallow grave in a San Francisco park in 2016, and her missing then two-year-old daughter, Ariana Fitz, who would now be the age of nine and the incredibly frustrating circumstances that led up to Nicole's death and Ariana's disappearance. Nicole Fitz was one of three sisters. She had an older sister, Catherine, and a younger sister, Contessa, who went by the name of Tess. The girls were raised by a single mother in Culver City, California. Nicole, who went by the name Nikki, was described as incredibly kind, with a huge heart, selfless, trusting, and very shy. She did well in school and received good grades. Nicole did a lot of volunteer work at the Culver Recreation Center and even received an award for all of the volunteer hours that she was putting in. Sadly, when Nicole was just 16, her mother passed away unexpected of breast cancer, and her and her two sisters were unfortunately left without a caretaker and bounced around from home to home. Even though the sisters were separated a lot of the time, the three of them still remained close. Shortly before the year 2012, she had given birth to her first child, Cindy. During this time, Nicole had been struggling to get by and was having a hard time paying bills on her own. Her sister Tess and Tess's girlfriend Claire decided they would all benefit from finding a place together while leaning on each other for support. They found a home in Pacifica, California and were all excited to have a fresh start. However, unfortunately, this plan had become more challenging than expected. With higher costs of living, they had found themselves falling behind. It became even more difficult when Nicole became pregnant with her second daughter, Ariana. With Nicole getting behind on rent, she realized that this plan was not going to be able to work, so they made the difficult decision to end their lease and to look for more affordable housing. Tess and Claire ended up going their own way and relocating to Santa Cruz, while Nicole felt her best option was to move to San Francisco because of job opportunities and health care. With the new unstable living situation, she thought it would be best to send her oldest daughter, Sandy, to live with Sandy's father in Southern California. This arrangement was supposed to be a temporary one while she was able to establish a stable living situation and find steady work and had every intention on moving Sandy back in with her when the time was right. And at this time, Nicole who had been pregnant with Ariana was living in a woman's shelter and lived here up until right after giving birth to Ariana on September 6, 2013. Nicole, who had continued to struggle and was in a rough predicament, trying to find childcare while also trying to find a full time job so that she could move out of the shelter and find a better place to live. Nicole and Ariana would visit Tess and Claire often, maintaining a close relationship. In the interviews of Tess and Claire, they described Ariana as an incredibly sweet and happy little girl who always had a smile on her face despite the unfortunate circumstances and struggles that they had been facing. Nicole ends up meeting a woman by the name of Lemassani Briggs at the shelter who was a self-proclaimed street pastor who didn't have a home church but would travel from shelter to shelter giving speeches and speaking with people. Lemasani learns of Nicole's situation and offers up a seemingly too good to be true offer of having Nicole and Ariana move in with her so that she could provide childcare while Nicole could find a job and get on her feet. Of course, Nicole couldn't pass up the offer as it provided the chance for her to not only get out of the tough situation she was in, but it was also one step closer to bringing her daughter Sandy home. With this new living arrangement, and with Lemassani now able to care for Ariana, Nicole finds a job at the local Best Buy on Harrison Street in San Francisco, and starts working a good amount of hours. Except now that Nicole is starting to bring in and save money, as per Lemassani and Nicole's original agreement, Lemassani starts expecting money from Nicole, and soon, not just a reasonable amount of money for rent and childcare, but the amount she was asking for, would fluctuate depending on the amount of Nicole's paycheck. Then would quickly start demanding the entirety of her paycheck. And of course, Nicole was not happy with the developing situation with Lemassani, and would confide in her sister Tess that she felt like she was being taken advantage of, and unhappy with how things weren't working out the way she had hoped. But not only was there financial tension in the home, there was quite a few red flags popping up from Lemassani. Lemassani had started texting Nicole to belittle her and telling her that she was a bad influence on her daughter. Lemassani also started to become controlling and possessive over Nicole, expressing to her that she did not approve of the friends she was hanging out with and the man that she had been seeing at the time. Nicole had told her sister Tess that the only way Lemassani would have known certain information about her relationship and the people in her life, as if Lemassani had been reading through Nicole's personal diary, which is what she suspected that she had been doing. Another huge red flag was that Nicole was not allowed to have a key to their home, even though Nicole had been paying rent. If Lemassani wasn't home, Nicole would have to wait outside for sometimes hours to be let in. Things with Lemassani kept getting more tense and more strange, and at some point, Lemassani started to become possessive over Ariana, which was when Nicole finally drew the line. She no longer trusted Lemassani and would start having Lemassani's nieces look after Ariana instead. And since Nicole was still staying in Lemassani's home, Tess and Claire felt they needed to help intervene to get Nicole out of the home, considering all of the harassment and manipulation Nicole had been dealing with. On a night in November of 2015, Tess and Claire drove two hours from their home in Santa Cruz to San Francisco to get Ariana and Nicole out. Tess and Claire even stated that they were scared that Lemosani was either going to take Ariana at the time, hurt Ariana or Nicole, or prevent them from leaving, so they requested the help of police to escort them out safely they were able to move them into Tess and Claire's home in Santa Cruz. Unfortunately, this brought on a new hurdle for Nicole to get through, as she was now two hours away from her job without her own means of transportation and had to rely on Tess and Claire or public transportation to get her to and from work and also to get Ariana to the new babysitter's home. The babysitters, who were, again, Lemassani's nieces, Ciolo Hearn and Helena Hearn Martin, each lived in Emeryville and Oakland. Helena living in Oakland with her husband, Devin Martin. At this time, because Santa Cruz was so far away from Nicole's job and Ariana's babysitters, there were times where Nicole was staying in different locations out of convenience and often would have Ariana spend the night with her babysitters, as she didn't have much of the choice with not enough hours in the day. During this point, Lemassani had actually texted Nicole to, quote, bring my baby back, and both Tess and Claire expressed their concern that Ariana was being looked after by Lemassani's family. However, Nicole assured them that she had trusted them and that she believed the nieces had broken off communication with their aunt, so there wasn't a risk of Lemassani being around. Plus, Ciolo and Helena were really Nicole's only option for childcare. Nicole would be put into yet another difficult situation, as now her first daughter Cindy had been taken into child protective custody from Cindy's father, which meant she was having to now take trips on her days off to go down to Southern California to now attend court hearings to try and get back custody which would mean less and less time with Ariana and more time Ariana was having with her babysitters, Ciolo and Helena. Nicole started to notice some red flags with the babysitters. When Nicole would go and stay with her sister Tess and Claire, Helena and Ciolo would tell Nicole it was not a good idea for Ariana to be going to Tess's house, that it would be, quote, too far away from them. Occasionally, they would start denying Nicole from seeing Ariana. They would say they weren't home and would make up different excuses every time she wanted to see her daughter. During this time, Nicole's co-workers would learn that Nicole didn't actually have a home or a stable living situation, and one of her co-workers would end up offering for Nicole and Ariana to come live in a spare room. This offer couldn't have come at a better time as it would allow for Nicole to have both of her girls. When Nicole told Ciolo and Helena about her new living arrangement and that she would no longer need them to look after Ariana, things started to become weirder. They would make up even more excuses for Nicole not to be able to pick up Ariana. One day in particular, Nicole had told Helena that she would be coming to pick up Ariana and that this was going to be the final day. Helena had responded to Nicole, telling her that she took Ariana to Disneyland and that they wouldn't be home for a couple of days. At this point, it became pretty clear that Helena and Ciolo were not willing to give back Ariana. And when Nicole would become more stern and direct when asking for her daughter back, Helena and Ciolo would tell Nicole that she was an unfit mother and that Ariana would be better off without her, saying very similar things that Lamasani was saying to Nicole prior. In late March of 2016, it had been six weeks since the last time Nicole had seen her daughter Ariana, which would have been mid-February. Nicole's roommate had tried to convince Nicole to go to the police to get Ariana back but with Cindy in child protective custody, she was worried that Ariana would also get taken away from her if they saw her to be an unfit mother. On the day of April 1st, 2016, Nicole had gone to work with plans of meeting up with her sister Tess later on. Those plans had fallen through, so she ended up going to get pizza with her friend and co worker, Michael, after work. Michael and Nicole were on their way back to drop Nicole off at her home when she asked Michael to stop at an ATM. Michael notices that she takes out a large amount of cash, and when he asks what the money is for, she tells him that it's for the babysitters. Later, police would confirm that the amount of $600 was taken out. When Michael dropped Nicole off at her home, she and her roommate watch a movie until about 9 p.m., which was when the roommate says Nicole gets a frantic phone call from what Nicole said to be the babysitter's telling her, quote, something was wrong. Nicole tells the roommate that she needs to meet up with them at a BJ's restaurant and says that she will be back in five minutes. Unfortunately, this would be the last night that anyone says they had seen Nicole alive. Nicole's roommate woke up the next morning on April 2nd to read a text from Nicole sent at 12.45 a.m., that read she was heading to Fresno with a guy named Sam. And at 1.13am, the same morning, there was a Facebook post from Nicole's account that read, spending time with my three-year-old need this break. And with the word break, B-R-E-A-K being incorrectly spelled as B-R-A-K-E. The roommate had reached out to Michael and asked if he had heard from Nicole and if he knew who Sam was. Neither Michael or Nicole's roommate had any idea who a Sam was and posted a Facebook post asking if anyone knew where Nicole was located or if anyone had spoken to her after the night of April 1st. It was this post that Nicole's sister Tess would see, which is when the roommate and Tess had gotten in contact. Tess had mentioned that it wasn't unusual for her to not hear from her sister for a couple of days because they didn't speak every day. But when the roommate said Nicole hadn't come home, and after the bizarre Facebook post from Nicole's account, something felt very wrong to everyone. For one, Nicole was a very good speller and used good grammar. In the Facebook post, the word break was spelled incorrectly. The second thing wrong with the post was that Ariana was not three years old. She was only two and a half. And why would she text that she was on her way to Fresno, which was about three hours from where she lived, with a person that no one knew about, 22 minutes before the Facebook post claiming to be spending time with her child in the middle of the night. Everything seemed so off. Tess and Claire immediately drive to San Francisco to start looking for Nicole and Nicole's older sister, Catherine, had also flown out to help look for her. No one knew the last names of the babysitters, so they were unsure of who to contact to locate Ariana. After Nicole's family and friends had exhausted everything they felt they could do to look for Nicole and Ariana, both of them were officially reported missing on April 5th. And after reviewing all of the information they had, They felt the babysitters had to have something to do with the disappearance of Nicole and Ariana. Especially after finding that one of the babysitters were friends with Nicole on Facebook and wondered why she hadn't reached out, knowing that all over Nicole's Facebook page, it was very obvious that Nicole had been missing and that she was supposed to have been caring for Ariana. Tess ends up reaching out to Ciolo on Facebook and receives zero response. Without having much info at the babysitters, like last names, phone numbers, and addresses to give to the police, Tess and Claire remember that they had given Nicole a ride to the babysitter's house at some point. After driving around by memory to see if they could remember where they had lived, they finally find the homes of Ciolo and Helena and were able to give the information to police. With this new information, police were able to make contact with Ciolo, Helena, and Devin Martin, and when police asked if they knew where Ariana and Nicole were, they told police they hadn't heard from Nicole and hadn't cared for Ariana in weeks. However, they couldn't give police any specific information like who they handed Ariana off to, where did they meet this person, and what specific day was this. All of this information contradicted what Nicole had told her friends and family leading up to her and Ariana's disappearance. One thing police noticed right away was that each of their stories did not match up to one another. They were inconsistent and kept changing. Sadly, on April 8, 2016, a week after the night Nicole was last seen, a body is discovered by a Rec and Park employee while doing some gardening at the John McLaren Park in San Francisco at the University and Woolsey entrance heading towards the playground area. They had noticed a large piece of wood off to the side and thinking that this was trash that needed to be thrown away, they lifted the piece of plywood and found what was later identified as Nicole's body buried in a shallow grave in the fetal position, still wearing her Best Buy work shirt. Authorities immediately brought in the Homicide and Special Victims Unit as well as the FBI. The cause of death has still not yet been released by police to keep the integrity of the investigation. FBI stated, quote, we don't believe that Ariana was with Nicole at the time of Nicole's death, but we do very much believe that the two are related," end quote. It is important to note that the plywood has a very specific symbol of graffiti marking on it and police have released the photos of the plywood that was found on top of Nicole's body in hopes that someone would recognize the symbol. Authorities believe that this piece of wood was brought into the park by whoever buried Nicole's body. With Nicole being found murdered, there was a lot of pressure to find Ariana and fear that maybe the same thing had or could have happened to her. Authorities and FBI at this point had executed a total of four search warrants in Emeryville, Oakland, and Daly City. Sciolo living in Emeryville, Helena and Devin living in Oakland, and it was thought that Lomasani may have been the search that was conducted in Daly City. Upon searching Helena and Devin Martin's home, authorities were able to confirm that Ariana was in fact being cared for in the home at some point, but they also came across some other disturbing information. Helena Hearn Martin had previously been incarcerated for the murder of her child's father. About a month into searching for Ariana in answers to Nicole's murder, authorities announced that the babysitters had not been cooperating with the investigation. Helena hires a criminal lawyer and after being named as a person of interest, her lawyer advises her to completely silence herself and not to speak to anyone about the case. Authorities also announced that there is evidence of a conflict between Nicole and the babysitters on the night of April 1st, 2016. In March of 2017, A car is searched and seized, which is believed to belong to Helena in relation to the case, but authorities have not yet released their findings. To date, authorities have said that they have collected over 30,000 pieces of evidence on this case and are adamant that this is still a very active and ongoing investigation. And the FBI have also confirmed that this case is not cold and is still in fact active. They have also stated that the case has now expanded to Nevada as it is believed that the persons of interest may have relocated there. Shortly after Nicole's murder, Best Buy had offered a reward of $10,000 for the information leading authorities to the whereabouts of Ariana and the murder of Nicole, with the FBI now increasing the reward to $250,000. They have also released an age progression photo of what Ariana would look like today at nine years old. And sadly, it is a possibility that Ariana may not even know that she was abducted. And if anyone has any information or recognizes the age progression photo of her, please call the San Francisco Police Department 415-575-4444 or the National Center of Missing and Exploited Children. 1-800-THE-LOST, which is one eight hundred eight four three five six seven eight. 843 5678 Ariana's family strongly believes that she was taken to be raised by someone else and does not believe that Ariana met the same tragic fate as her mother. That's all for today's episode of Jesperacy. Thank you for being a part of this journey as we uncover the intriguing and complex world of true crime together. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to subscribe to my podcast and leave me a review. Your support helps me reach more people and share these important stories with a wider audience. Also, please be sure to check out my YouTube channel where I'll be sharing video versions of these episodes along with other exclusive content. You can follow me on social media to stay up to date on the latest episodes and connect with other true crime enthusiasts. And if you have any suggestions for future episodes or want to share your own stories, feel free to reach out. Until next time, stay safe, stay curious, and always remember to look beyond the headlines. Thank you for listening to Jesperacy.